Before this podcast starts, we have a couple things we would like to let you know about. First, we have some big plans for the future. We are so excited for where this podcast is going, but we really need some help. We both have full-time jobs along with church and family. And here are some ways that you can help. Share our posts, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, we would like to buy better equipment, and we also have some plans for the future that are going to need funding. You can either become a monthly or a one-time listener supporter. The link is in the show notes. Or you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash breaking taboo, or you can click the link in the show notes. Next thing is, me and my husband are going on AIM to Japan. You can support us one of three ways. Text to give. You can text AIM206 to 71777. Or you can buy a t-shirt or hoodie from our shop on Bonfire called Seek and Save Apparel. Or you can become a partner in missions. To find more information on anything, please visit our Instagram page, Romans to Japan or Breaking Apostolic Taboo. Thank you for joining and we are so excited for this week's episode. Get out of your head. Let's stop the spiral of toxic thoughts and study the book of Philippians to try to change our thought patterns. We hope that on Breaking Apostolic Taboo that this study helps enlighten you and helps you grow in your relationship with God. Please enjoy this week's study. Welcome back, everybody, to um, our series on Get Out of Your Head, a study in Philippians. <clears throat> and so, <coughs> sorry if I sound a little wonky. Um, I just woke up not too long ago. And, um, anyways, and I ate. So, <laughs> here we go. Uh, session two Make the Shift. Are you ready for a shift? Ever wonder why it seems some people are happier than you, even if they are going through more difficult circumstances than you? Maybe you have visited Christians in developing countries thinking you were there to minister to them and their need, only to realize that their smile and joyous selflessness, you were the one who had the need. Yeah, me too. When Paul wrote Philippians, the greatest exposition on joy ever written, he was actually bound in chains under house arrest. Paul apprehended something our cocoon existence of comfort in the West can never provide. So this begs a second question. What are you looking toward to make you happy? Whether it is opioids or people's praise, whatever causes you to experience strong emotions of either happiness or disappointment, that is likely the thing you are living for, and it is very likely running your life. I remember listening as a woman confessed, uh, I remember listening as a woman confessed extreme anxiety over her kids and their futures. She was brave to say it out loud, and I listened, and I related, and I prayed. She was looking at me asking, what do I do? But actually, I think the better question is, who is God? You see, if God is good and loving and in control, you can put your head on your pillow, even with chaos swirling 
and the people you love out of your control because you know him and you know he has them and he has you. He has all of it. Now, this is easier preached and harder lived, but that's why we're going to stick together and steep in God's word uh, these next five weeks. Change is difficult and may come slow after all. These are ingrained thoughts and entangled sins, but because we have been made new creations, we have the spirit power, the spirit's power and a choice to make. Changing our mind minds is possible. We do not have to spin. If we are spiraling down toward our ultimate fixation, we can flip it. We can spiral up toward God instead. This is what Paul did. If all Paul saw were his circumstances and his inability to change, his imprisonment, he would surely have been dis- dis- despondent. I can't read. But his circumstances didn't dictate his thoughts. It was his love of Jesus and trust in a good, loving, and in control God that consumed his mind and his purpose. In the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that empowered Paul to trust in the di- direst circumstances is fully ex- accessible for you and me right now. Are you ready for that shift? In these weeks together, we will study the scriptures and examine how we can use the following weapons to fight the enemies of our minds. The enemies, self-importance, noise, cynicism, isolations, complacency, victimhood, anxiety. Our weapons are humility, silence, delight, connection, intentionality, gratefulness, and trust. Once, or one of the most important tools you can possibly possess is the ability to sit down with only your Bible and a pen and paper and discover truth, discover truth for yourself. I love creating tools to aid in that, but ultimately I want you to be, to be building this muscle as we journey together. So before we go any further, we're going to focus on three keys to effective personal Bible study, observation with teaching content interpretation, the study, and application projects. Throughout this journey through Philippians, I'm going to give you the opportunity to practice each of these. I use them in each of the studies because it is so important to build confidence in your, in you to practice these skills in your own time of the Bible study. Read Philippians 1. Read chapter 1 once all the way through without writing anything, then read it again. On your second read, begin to jot down words and phrases that jump out to you. Get ready. This letter reads like a best of list of favorite and most quoted verses in the Bible. As you read chapter one, respond to the below questions, which if you're going along with it, you're going to see. But let me get my Bible out real fast. We're going to read Philippians 1, and then if you are doing this along with me, you're going to see the um, um, the questions in the book, but I'll give you some of the questions if you want to do this at home, but we're going to read Philippians 1. Paul and Tim, uh, oh, I cannot read, Timotheus. The servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with these bishops and deacons. 
Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the uh, gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you and all because I have you in my heart and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel yea all are partakers of my grace for God is my record how gratefully I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the pl- uh, palace and all of the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of con- er, contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds but the other of love, knowing that I am sent from the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be my by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet will, yet what I shall choose, I won't not. For I am not a straight betwixt to having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of the faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversities, which is to them an evident token of prediction but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to be believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Hopefully all that made sense. <laughs>
So question one, write down some of the things you see that Paul is grateful for. At verse 9 and 10, what does Paul want for the Philippians and why? Read verses 15 through 17. What is the problem and how does Paul reconcile this? Rewrite verse 21 in your own words. Verse 27 talks about the manner of life worthy of the gospel. Describe what Paul means by this. Look at verse 27 through 30. I read back through all of the responses and write down some themes. I want you to write a summary statement of Philippians 1. And so it leaves that. Mark 12, 30 says in the ESV, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. J.I. Packer in Knowing God says, what were we made for? To know God? What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. John 17, 3. What is the best thing in life bridging Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else. Knowledge of God. Jeremiah 9.23 What of all the states God ever sees man in gives him the most pleasure? The knowledge of himself. Hosea 6.6 Philippians 1.21 and the NID says to live is Christ and to die is gain. A consuming mission for Paul. To live is Christ. Is Christ what in... in, Is Christ... Or to live is... A consuming mission for Paul to live is Christ. Is Christ? What interesting phrasing. It's not primarily an action. It is a state of being. It is to be with and to allow Christ to be in and through and with me as I live. It is less of a hustle and more of a state of being. My son Cooper is adopted from uh, real. Rwanda, I say that wrong all the time. And there are times when he will say to me, usually when we are punishing him for something, I don't want to be in this family anymore. His actions and words are trying to change something unchangeable. He is an Allen. It is in his reality, no matter how he feels about it and no matter how he acts or doesn't act. Getting out of our own heads begins with understanding our position in Christ. We are his and we live that out as a matter of fact either aware and surrendered to that truth or in rejection to what is true to live is christ our position is an is a member of christ's body now you are the body of christ and individual and individually members of it first corinthians 12 27 our minds are the minds of christ for who has understood the mind of the lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. Our lives making Christ's appeal, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, 2 Corinthians 5.20. The more we understand our position with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, the less we try hard and the more we surrender. surrender. It is the least active thing you can imagine doing. Today, I was all worked up about something I could not control at work. I was in knots about it, and honestly, it consumed my mind and time and even my mood all day. Tonight, I fell into bed and excelled. I gave up. I told God what was true all all along. I lay here at your mercy. We can hustle at his mercy. We can worry at his mercy, or we can rest because his mercy. Being wholly surrendered to one thing will shift everything about us. 
Whatever you find your mind most fixed on, that is the thing you are living for. Spirals. Our spirals can go one of two ways, up toward God or down toward the thing we're fixating on. In the coming weeks, we will start examining and dissecting our spirals and what to do about them. But for now, we need to know what direction is everything. We want to go up, not down. Here's how a typical downward spiral looks. We go from our emotions to our thoughts, our thoughts to our behavior, relationships to consequences. Our emotions trigger a thought. For example, feeling overwhelmed might make us think, I'll never get through all of this and there's no use in trying. Thoughts lead to behaviors like numbing or procrastinating. Behaviors affect relationships like the one we shut or put off to uh, nurse or overwhelmed minds. And then there are consequences. Friendships grow stale. Opportunities are missed. We're left with things we don't want, but those things make up our lives. It can start to get out of control. In this study, we'll dig into each level uh, on the spiral. But for now, know that when the spiral down, when we spiral down, it's because we've set our minds on something that isn't God. Here's what it looks like to spiral up instead. Our emotion and and goes to thought and our thought goes to behavior our behavior goes to relationships and relationship goes to consequences i have a choice this spiral starts with a stance of surrender toward god that reminds us we are his he is working through us and we have a choice so when we're faced with the emotion that threatens to send us downward we take hold of that thought i have a choice we learn to choose thoughts that conform to the mind of christ we start seeing better behaviors better relationships and better consequences our hearts are set on what the spirit desires as paul put it focused on god our spiral begins to flip I love that Paul says we have a choice about what we think, no matter what the world is throwing at us. Often, I sit down with women and I hear their stories, and it doesn't matter what country or city we're in, the struggles are the same. The people who stand out to me are the ones who have chosen to trust Jesus more than trusting their ability to make everything work out fine. These heroines, heroes of the faith are not subject to their own thoughts. They are not subject to their feelings. They believe in one chief aim, and with every ounce of their power, they are working to think about Christ. Jesus is the axis around which all their thoughts spiral spin. When their minds turn and turn, they fixate on him. I, will learn, I want to learn to do the same. Who are you, Lord? What and what do you want from me? Read Romans 8, 5 through 11. In light of what you read, answer the question above. I'm going to let you do that on your own time. Digging deeper. In Philippians 1.1, look up the Greek word for servants. Do a word study of that Greek word throughout the Bible. What does it mean that Paul used the specific word at the beginning of this book? Projects. I find it interesting that when Jesus was summarizing the desires of God for us, he didn't leave it at love the Lord with 
or love the Lord your God. He was clear that we are to love him with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength. He was specific and often in our study together of God's word, we let loving God with our minds be enough. In the next few pages, you will find a variety of projects. These projects are an effort to take what we learn in our minds and into our hearts and souls and into our everyday lives. Some of these things may seem silly to you or uncomfortable, but these things are experiences that will hopefully reveal to us what our minds are consumed with and how we can conform our minds to Christ. Project 1. Reflect. Look back at Romans 8, 5-11. Make two lists describing the mindset on the flesh and the mindset on the spirit. Project 2. Consider. Look back at your mind map from the last lesson. Build five categories of thoughts you think about the most and then narrow it down to one thing you've tried to live for. Let's give it a name. Project three, respond. What circumstances has God put in your life that might be difficult but could advance the gospel? Now, as Paul wrote to the Philippians, giving them perspective on his situation, write write someone you love as a letter and give them a perspective on how God is using this situation in your life. It doesn't matter if you ever send it. This exercise will help shift your perspective. Project four, look back on project two and write the one thing that you are tempted to live for in the blank box. In the left column, write how your mind consumed with that thing is affecting each category below. In the right column, write how your mind consumed with Christ affects the same categories. Do you see a difference? Conclusion. What if we're missing the main thing, the best parts of life? Remember, Christ is not after something from us. He is after something for us. He wants us to be free, free to enjoy him, free to fully love people, free to live out the good works that he prepared in advance for us to live. Very little is required from us except everything. As we let go of everything and love God most, our minds and our lives shift and and the spiral flips. What is the thought you are lying down this or laying down this week? And what truth are you replacing it with? There's a lot of work to do in this um, session. So I really suggest you get this book. You can probably find it at Hobby Lobby if you don't want to order it off at Amazon. And I hope you all have a good Thanksgiving and enjoy your holidays.